just want to say it's good to be back in the saddle. Somebody said, hey, you're going to be back in the saddle this morning. I said, yeah, and I hope the horse doesn't throw me off, you know, because it's been, been a while. But, uh, but anyway, I've really enjoyed counseling. I've been able to help a lot of people. I, said, I used to say I'd see the forest. Now I see the individual trees. And it's all about helping people. That's why God put us on this earth, so we could be a blessing to others. So I just want to say, before I go any further, uh, Mike and Christy are, and the kids are having a great time. They're in Austria right now. In fact, I want to show you a couple of pictures uh, that they sent. And hopefully, there they are. That, it looks like Colorado, doesn't it? Uh, I, mean, I mean, there's probably not a lot of difference. I think Colorado's a little nicer. But anyway, uh, and it, this, is, this is the biggest pizza... They said it's the biggest pizza they ever saw. I thought Texas had the biggest pizzas. Apparently, Austria does. And so you can see the kids, too, the kids there. They're about to dive in. If you really like pizza, uh, which I'm not a big fan of, but anyway, if you do, <laughs> go to Austria, and you'll get the largest pizza that you've ever seen. Okay, before I go any further, whoa, uh-oh, okay. I'm afraid to move. What's the problem? Uh-oh. This isn't a good sign. No, it's not a good sign. What's going on? It's on. Woo! Please, Jim. <laughs> uh, okay. I think we better pray. Let's pray. <laughs> oh my gosh, not again. Oh no, Lord Jesus. What's going on? Is it okay now? I don't want to use it. I'm part Italian. I need to have freedom to move my hands. Anyway, uh, what's going on? Okay, well, it was really nice having you guys this morning. and. <laughs> Due to technical difficulties, we're entering the service. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come to you today and we just want to thank you for your incredible love. We just ask you to continue to pour yourself out. We thank you that you're here. And we ask you to make a difference in our lives. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? I don't know what is going on, but uh, you tell me. Should I not move? Okay, we're going to talk about authentic Christianity today. <laughs> I've got to do something. Ah, crap. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, okay, we're back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we're off to a rough start here. Anyway, uh, I haven't even gotten on the horse yet, and it's all. <laughs> um, I want to talk about authentic Christianity. And as you know, uh, at the beginning of the year, Mike felt that the Lord showed him that we were going to reach, as a people, we were going to reach 5,000 people, new people, to come into the kingdom. So I want to talk about authentic Christianity. And I just want to say that I think more than anything else, people are looking for authenticity. And you know, it's interesting, when I was a kid growing up, and unless you're older, you won't know about this program, but there was a program called To Tell the Truth. In fact, it had a hand with a thing around it. It was called To Tell the Truth. Bud Collier was the, he was the, you know, the MC, and they would have a panel, and they would have three people there, 
and they would, uh, each person would get up and say, my name is John Smith, and blah, 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 and then he'd sit down. The next person would go, my name is John Smith, blah, 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 and then the third person would get up, my name is John Smith, blah, 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 and then during the course of the half-hour program, which back then was not permeated by so many commercials, but anyway, during the course of that program, uh, the, the panel would ask questions of each person, and then at the end, you'd try to guess you know, I love this because I would try to guess who was telling the truth and who were the phonies. And so, and they'd say, now, will the real John Smith please stand up? And sometimes the guy, it might be the middle guy, and the guy on the left would start to stand up, and then he'd sit down, and then the guy on the right over here would start to stand up, and then the guy in the middle would stand up, and everybody would applaud. And, you know, it was fun because I would try to guess. And that was one of my favorite programs. And uh, unfortunately, it's not on the air anymore. But it was authenticity, and I was trying to figure out who was being real and who was the phonies. And, uh, you know, I think Jesus is saying, will the real followers of me please stand up? I really believe that's what Jesus is saying. And, and he's saying, okay, if you're really a follower of me, you know, you got to be real. you got to be authentic. you got to be who you really are. And uh, anyway, uh, first of all, Jesus didn't make it easy because in Luke chapter 9, Verse 23, he says this. Then Jesus said to all of them, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself, take up their cross daily, and follow me. Now, those are not really, in, really happy instructions. I've got to deny myself, all my selfish ways that I want to fulfill. I've got to deny that. I've got to take up my cross. The cross was a symbol. It was a symbol of the most disgraceful way a person could die. And I've got to take up that cross, the plan that God has for my life, and I've got to do it daily. Not just when I get saved, but I've got to do that daily, to take up that cross, and then I've got to keep my eyes on Jesus, and I've got to follow him. Those are not easy instructions, but that's what he said. You know, Marcus, when he spoke last week, he preached on 2 Corinthians 5, 17, for if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. It's really interesting. When you study the Greek, it's actually in the present progressive tense. Now, we don't have that in English. But actually, if you were to translate that literally, it would say, if anyone's in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has passed away and is passing away. And the new has come and is coming. Now, that doesn't seem to make sense. Either it came or it didn't, but it does make sense. Because when we're saved, when we receive Jesus, instantaneously, in that moment, old things pass away, behold, all things become new. However, we're in a process, folks. We're in a process called sanctification. That's a big word for becoming more like Jesus. You see... As we walk out this life in him, we become more like him. And to be honest with you, it's in the difficult times when we've got to hold on to him, even though it might be our fingernails, where we're walking with him in those struggling times, that's when we're changing the most and becoming the most like him if we can keep our eyes on him. And so I want to encourage you, that's the sanctification process. It's interesting, none of us are going to be perfect on this earth. I know there's some, some Christian circles that believe we can reach perfection here, and they're full of it. Because the truth is, 
the truth is, as long as you, before you receive your new body and you're with Jesus, you're going to have struggles. It's just the way it is. I hate to tell you, but that's the truth. However, we are becoming more like him. Now, I'm not fully like him, but I'm more like him when I got saved a long time ago, 1973. <laughs> anyway, uh, I'm more like him now than I, than I was then. However, I got a long way to go. Amen? Yeah, you don't have to say amen. But anyway, uh, <laughs> I did hear my wife say amen. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but, but I, I just want to talk about, as that scripture goes on and down a couple of verses later, it says, we now have the ministry of reconciliation, all of us. When you get saved, you immediately step into a ministry. You don't have to go to Bible school or seminary or anywhere. You obviously move right into that, and you have a ministry of reconciliation. Now, the word reconciliation, if you'll put it up, uh, it actually means to establishment or restoration of relationship. That's the primary meaning of reconciliation. It means that a relationship is either established or reestablished. I think the scripture that basically speaks to this probably most powerfully is Romans 5.10. Romans 5.10, which says, For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? In other words, the only reason you and I are reconciled is because of what Jesus Christ did when he gave his life on the cross, taking your sin and my sin, bringing us back into a relationship with the Father, which the Father always desired. And so that's the reconciliation. Now, you can't have a ministry of reconciliation unless you have been reconciled yourself. You can't give away something you don't have. Amen? But as soon as you're reconciled, that means you have that ministry of reconciliation. That's something you're able to bring to other people. You have hope for your life, but you can bring hope to those that are hopeless. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a really powerful thing. Now, I just saw a quote this week, and we'll put it up on the screen. It says, for every 100 unreached people, one reads the Bible, 99 read other Christians. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? Think about it. The people out there who really don't know Jesus... For a, like every hundred people, only one maybe looks at the Bible, reads the Bible, doesn't really understand it fully. But 99 people are looking at other Christians. That's a big, that's a big deal. And so that, that's why Jesus says we have this ministry of reconciliation. You know, I'm going to talk about actually four people who hinder the gospel. Now, as I'm talking about this, I want you to see if you see yourself in any of these. I can tell you, uh, these are four people or four types of people that hinder the gospel. The truth is that, well, I think the best way to say it is, I think we have a little of us, a little bit of this in each one of us. We want that to be uprooted, but it's there. Okay, so I'm going to talk about four. The first one I want to talk about is the fanatic. Say the fanatic. Now, these are all F sounds. Some of them are PH, but it's an F sound. And so I always like the, the, have it to be the same sound. So I had to work hard on this. But before, okay, the fanatic. Now, what is a fanatic? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because a fanatic is someone who 
actually has zeal, but they don't have wisdom or knowledge. It's not according to wisdom or knowledge. They have a lot of zeal. I can tell you, by way of confession, after I got saved, I had spent a lot of time in Eastern religion and New Age religion and stuff. And so after I got saved, I was unsafe to be around other people. I would literally, and I'm really embarrassed to say this, I would literally attack Hari Krishnas in the airport. I don't know if you remember, there was a time when Hari Krishnas would be in the airport, they'd be selling their stuff or giving their stuff away and, you know, and telling people how they could come into this. And it would tick me off because I, it was a false religion. And I remember one time I knocked, <laughs> I, man, I feel bad saying this. Anyway, <laughs> I knocked the guy's stuff out of his hand because he was talking to this poor young kid that was like, oh, really? That's really cool. Anyway, so I knocked the stuff out of his hand and... I said, you're just speaking, this is not truth what you're doing. This is not right, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then how many of you know sometimes the Lord will speak to you after that? <laughs> and the Lord told me that this was not the best way to reach this person for Jesus. <laughs> so I received a little wisdom at that time. But anyway, I want you to see the scripture here. Uh, and it's, it's actually uh, in Romans 10, verses 2 and 3. And uh, it actually says this. It says, for I can testify about them. This is about, and, and this was Paul writing about Jews. He was a Jew he, who received Jesus. But he said, for I, came, I can testify about them that they are zealous for God. But their zeal is not based on knowledge. Since they did not know righteousness of, the righteousness of God, which is through Christ, and sought to establish their own righteousness, they did not submit to God's righteousness. Now, it's not just Jews. It's Muslims. Do you know Muslims are required to pray five times a day? That's a requirement. It's not just, well, it's a good idea. You know, you should pray five times a day. That's a requirement for them. They're trying to build their own righteousness to really come into a relationship with a God who they see as an angry God. And it's not only Muslims. It's Buddhists. It's, you know, Hindus. It's any false religion is trying to have their own attempt to get to God. Whereas with Jesus, he came so that we could be reconciled, and he did it. And so it's for by grace you're saved through faith, not because of works, lest anyone should boast. So we receive what he did, and he imparts righteousness to us. He brings us into right standing with God. That's the awesome thing. That's why we're so in love with God and with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, because they did the work we just had to accept and receive what he had. Is that good news or bad news? And that's the good news. That's the good news. Now, I just want to tell you that, um, you know, and there's some Christians that also try to establish their own righteousness. Not all Messianic groups are like this, but, but I, I remember going to a Bible study of a Messianic group because somebody invited me, and this person was saying how we need Jesus, but we need to keep Torah. And we need to focus, and they only focused on the first five books of the Bible. And they said, well, you, need to, you need to keep Torah, you know, you know, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? And, and they, here's the bottom line. I can't walk in that unless Jesus comes into my life. No matter how hard I try to keep Torah, that's why Jesus had to give his life. Amen? Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to give his life. So really important to see that. And I feel like there's a lot of fanatics and there's Christian fanatics, there's all kinds of fanatics, but I remember on a plane, 
It was either East Coast or West Coast. This was several years ago. I'm sitting on a plane, and I'm sitting next to a couple, and we get around to Jesus, and I said, well, are you saved? Or do you, you know? And they go, we don't know. We went to this church, and <laughs> they told us that right, we came forward to receive Jesus, and they said we had to speak in tongues in order to be saved. And we didn't speak in tongues, so we don't know. We haven't been back to a church, especially that church, for three years. It took me two hours on that flight to convince them that salvation comes through Jesus Christ and nothing else. It's Jesus plus nothing, and that changes everything. Let me say that again. It's Jesus plus nothing, and that changes everything. It's not Jesus plus Torah. It's not Jesus plus baptism. It's not Jesus plus tongues. It's not Jesus plus anything. Thank God those things are all good. Baptism's good. All those things are good. Tongues are good. Those are all good. But that has nothing to do with our salvation. Salvation is solely what Jesus did on the cross, and we receive it. And I'll tell you, that's the good news, because we can't earn it, no matter how hard we try. Amen. Amen. Okay. And all the fanatics said amen. No, I'm just here. Okay. <laughs> okay, the second, the second one, the, the second type of person that is a hindrance to the gospel is the Pharisee. Say the Pharisee. It's another F sound, even though it's a PH, but... Um, the Pharisee says, because I have better religious behavior than you do, I'm better than you. You see, they base their value on their religious behavior. Now, (laughs) I can tell you, be careful, because you may find there's a little bit of this in you, and I found there was a little bit in me, which shocked me, because I always thought I was man of grace, and well, I'll tell you in a minute, it's kind of embarrassing, but again, it's okay. Here's what I want you to see, though. Luke chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Actually, Luke chapter 18. I'll put it up on the screen. Uh, but if you want to go there, it's Luke 18, verses 10 through 14. Now, this is a story that you're probably aware of, but I'm going to read it because it's such a powerful story. Uh, it says, two men went up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee. The other, a tax collector. By the way, tax collector was the lowest rung. That, that was, they were just the scum of the earth, literally. Two the Israelis. Now the Pharisee, this is Jesus telling this parable, by the way. He's telling this story. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven. But he beat his breast and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says these words, and this ticked off the Pharisees, by the way. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Of all these four, I would say I'm definitely not a Pharisee, but I'll tell you something what happened. My wife was at Bethel this past week for a conference there. She was there all week. It was me and the dog, and uh, we made it, but it was a little rough. But anyway, (laughs) I'll I'll tell you this story. This is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but... The, the night she left, she left on Sunday last week, and that night 
about 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, the way up in the ceiling on the top of our, in the bedroom, the smoke detector thing went off. You know, like the battery was dying or, and it, like that really loud. And my dog jumps almost out of the bed. I mean, she sleeps on the bed, but she, and, and then, and then, so I go out and get a ladder. I get up to the thing and I, I disconnect the, oh, I take the battery out thinking that'll stop it. Well, we get back into bed about 10 minutes later. Beep, beep, beep. Uh, now the dog is really freaked. So I go back up again. I disconnect it. I disconnect it. I take it down and I put it, you know, next to the bed and we go back to sleep. About 15 minutes later, well, now the dog's freak, totally. And so she runs to the door, and she's scratching at the door. I open the door. She takes off. Never done this. She takes off. down. We have a long drive. Down the driveway, through the... I'm running after her in my BVDs, you know, trying to... <laughs> praying that nobody is awake, you know, to see me. And I can't catch her. I mean, she's... I finally catch her, pick her up, and bring her back in. So now I take that thing and I put it outside. Now, I don't know how it keeps going off on its own, but it did. I wanted to stomp it, but then I knew my wife would be upset. So anyway, uh, so, but I don't know why I told you that story, but it was an interesting story. But anyway, <laughs> but let me tell you the story, though, that connects to how, I'm a, how I saw myself as a Pharisee. So my wife was away. I, but, you know, I was in a fraternity uh, you know, many moons ago, and uh, it was really a wild fraternity, and, and so my fraternity brothers send stuff, but it's always pretty much in good humor, so they sent this video, this one guy who's a pretty wild guy, he sends this video, and he said, hey, this is, this is a graduation celebration for our college in Portland, Oregon, and he goes, Bergie's in charge, now Bergie's one of her fraternity brothers, and, and he lives in Portland. So I, you know, innocently look at this. I think it was Monday night or Tuesday night. So I'm innocently looking at it. And, and it turns out it's this festival in Portland where everybody's totally nude. Totally nude. I mean, nothing. Frontal nude, everything. Anyway, so I'm looking at this. I'm going, holy crap. Anyway, <laughs> now I got to tell you, I have never been into pornography uh, actually, when I was 10 years old, I discovered a Playboy in my dad's suitcase, and <clears throat> that was my, mainly, my main thing with the pornography. And, uh, and so it's just never been something that... And, and, you know, I do a lot of counseling, and, and I counsel people that are dealing with that, and, you know, my heart goes out to them. <clears throat> but here's what happens. So a little later on, I found... And also, there were connections to other, other sites. So I found myself going to those sites, and I'm going, holy crap. I can't believe this. This is way beyond Playboy. Anyway, so I'm looking at this, and then I'm, I'm kind of drawn by it to it. I'm drawn, and I'm going, whoa, this has a strong draw. So I pray. And, and I pray, and the Lord shows me, like, the draw and how I've got these images in my mind. I go, I don't want that. It's interrupting my relationship with you. And so I zap it. I just get rid of it. <clears throat> and... Uh, and so I told my brother the next day, I told him about this. He goes, send it to me. I go, no, I'm not sending it to you. <laughs> I go, I totally deleted it. I go, why would I send that to you? That's poison. It is. It's poison. And, you know, I know there's an epidemic, and I see why. I see the, the draw that this has. It's, it's sick. But it, and my heart goes out, especially to the spouses of those whose, you know, whose spouse is caught up in this. It's really a horrible thing. And so I really learned a lot, but here's what I realized. 
I realized that when I'm counseling people in this area, I always thought, gee, why can't they just get over it? That's a pharisaical attitude. And I realized, wow, that's not good. That is not good. And I'll tell you, I had a greater empathy and a greater understanding and a greater respect for the demonic force of pornography. Anyway, so that is, that's where I saw that there was a little bit of Pharisee in me, and hopefully God is, out, is uprooting it. So be careful. If you've ever been around Pharisaical-type people, they always make you feel like you don't read your Bible enough, you don't pray enough, uh, you, your language is not good enough, which happens quite a bit. Anyway, uh, but I grew up in the potty mouth capital of the world, just so you know. So uh, I, I grew up in between New York and Philly, and that is the potty mouth capital of the world. So I, I, listen, I'm doing a lot better than I was. Let me just say that. Okay, now. I want to go to number three, okay? You ready? We're talking about authentic Christianity. And we don't want the fanatic. You know, we want to be really excited about Jesus. But we don't want to take zeal to a place where there, it's not based on wisdom and, and understanding. Amen? In the same way, you know, we don't want a pharisaical attitude toward anybody. We're not better than anybody. Jesus, the only reason we any, have any good is because Jesus came into our life and is working on us. Amen? And so, so we don't want any of that. We don't want any of that because that drives people away. There's nothing more that drives a person away who's an unbeliever, you know, who's an unreached person than a pharisaical attitude. Like, you know, and it's not fun being around Pharisees because, and Jesus didn't like being around them. If you read Matthew 23, I don't know how to read it, but he comes against them in a really heavy way because God, what he does to, to, to the, he resists the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Amen? Number three, the phony. Fake it till you make it. Now, I know you say, well, Pastor, I've never been like that in my life. Yeah, well, hang on. Hang on, because sometimes we don't realize. See, we don't see those things ourselves unless the Holy Spirit reveals it, but <coughs> there's a lot of phonies out there. I've talked to people who I'm, you know, maybe talking about Jesus and and maybe they've seen TV and see, seen a TV evangelist that says, man, just send, if you bless my ministry, God will bless you a hundredfold, blah, 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 blah. And they're going, that's, that's hype, that's fake. And I get it. You know, not all evangelists are like that, I'm just saying. But they've seen that and it, it upsets them. Now, I want you to know that 2,000 years ago, Jesus had the same problem. He had the same problem with phonies. And in Matthew 6, 5, we'll have it up there. Matthew 6, 5, he says, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. Now, let me tell you what the word here in the Greek for hypocrite is. It actually means play actor. If you know, if you've ever seen Greek uh, theater, you'll, you'll see the, the masks. They'll have the happy mask and the sad mask. And the, what, in, in Greek theater, what they would do is they would hold up a mask. Uh, if it was happy or sad, they would hold up these masks. And then they would also have a voice. I don't know how they did this because they didn't, didn't have electricity, but they would have a voice activator so when they would speak, their voice would come out stronger. But what they were saying is, this is play acting. This wasn't real. This was phony. And Jesus called these people who were praying this way, hypocrites. Basically, you're just, you're just putting on an act. He says, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their full reward. You know what? 
another thing that really turns people off is phoniness. And sometimes we think as Christians, well, we, better, we need to really show a good, a good face, even though we might be struggling in an area. Let me tell you, when you can share the struggles you're going through, then people can relate to you. It's important to be able to be real. I want to show you a, a little clip. It's from the movie Meet the Parents. And uh, I, want to see, I want you to see this clip because you'll see, you'll see how sometimes we can be in a situation where we become phony. Go ahead. Good job, Buns. Hot patooties. Wow, Dina, everything looks fabulous. Well, I'll tell you something. It's such a treat for me to have a home-cooked meal like this. Dinner at my house usually consisted of everybody in the kitchen fighting over containers of Chinese food. Oh, you poor thing. What, there wasn't enough food to go around, Greg? No, there was. We just never really sat down like family like this. Oh. Greg, would you like to say grace? Oh, uh, well, uh, Greg's Jewish dad. You know that. You're telling me Jews don't pray, honey? Unless you have some objection. No, 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 no. No, I'd love to. Pam, come on. It's not like I'm a rabbi or something. <laughs> I said grace at many a dinner table. Oh, dear God, thank you. You are such a good God to us, a a kind and gentle and accommodating God. And we thank you, oh, sweet, sweet Lord of hosts, for the smorgasbord you have so aptly lain at our table this day and each day by day day by day by day oh dear lord three things we pray love thee more dearly to see thee more clearly to follow thee more nearly day by day by day. Amen. Amen. Oh, Greg, that was lovely. Thank you, Greg. That was interesting, too. (laughs) I'll tell you, got to have a little humor, you know. (laughs) Okay, now, um, I want to go to number four. We've talked about the fanatic. We've talked about the Pharisee. We've talked just now about the phony. And now I want to talk about the fearful. The fearful is the person who, man, I may fail. Can't really bring reconciliation or share the gospel because I'm not good enough. I may offend them. I don't really know enough scripture to do this. Well, here's the funny thing. Do you know that... In, right after Jesus gave his life on the cross, do you know that the disciples turned the world upside down for Jesus? So many came into the kingdom. Do you know something? The, the disciples and the people, the Christians, who were leading other people, they had none of the New Testament. None. None. Think about that. They didn't have any scriptures. They couldn't say, 
Well, Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you're saved through faith, not because work, lest anyone should boast. They, they couldn't say that because they didn't have that. They didn't have the scripture. So I just want to say to you, that can never be an excuse. Because if you, if you have a relationship with Jesus, that's, all you, that's what they talked about, their relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, and so it's good to know scripture. I'm not saying that, but that doesn't disqualify you. Yeah, you may fail. I had a guy come up to me, I think it was this week, said, man, I wish I was more like Todd White. <laughs> man, Todd White, he'll have a word, boom. He'll say the word, boom. That person gets miraculously healed, boom. That person gives their life to Jesus. If you've ever seen the, the videos that he shows himself. Let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you a secret. I know a guy that does that witnessing lots of times with Todd White. And he goes, Todd doesn't show the ones where the guy says, screw you, Todd, <laughs> you know, <laughs> leave me alone. You know, I wish he would show one of those because otherwise it's this standard of that we can't ever do. I mean, Todd White's great, but, you know, <laughs> it also it's not a full representation because lots of times when we reach out to people, we don't always succeed. So it's okay. It's not failure. Failure is when the Lord's prompting you and you refuse to do it. That's failure. But it's not failure when that person doesn't respond well. So anyway, that's important to see. And, uh, you know, I got to tell you, I, I see this in myself because I went through, I think many of you know this, not too long ago, I went through two and a half years of intense anxiety. And during that time, I would counsel often and in fact, it was out of that that God really raised up a counseling ministry for me. But during that time, I would be so in anxiety that it would be hard for me to get out of myself. It would be hard for me to reach out because I would be just plagued by this anxiety. And so there were times where I can remember, you know, where I didn't follow the prompting of the Lord because there was just too much going on in my life that was difficult to deal with. I want to say now that I'm totally free of anxiety. I haven't had any and I got totally healed through Jesus, but it was a process, and I had to do the work, and, and he did the work. And I'm just saying, I, I mean, I give, let me tell you, we all have pain in our life, but Jesus Christ is the one who can encounter that pain and begin to break lies in our life. And so it's so important to, to realize that he's the one. He heals the brokenhearted. He, he heals the areas in my life. I had a lot of dysfunction in my childhood. And, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden it came to the surface late in life, which is weird. But, but I'm thankful that it did because I probably wouldn't be counseling otherwise. So anyway, the bottom line is um, it's really important to understand that God is an incredible God, and he's going he's gonna to bring us through that. And here's the scripture I want you to see, 1 John 4.18. Because there's times when you're fearful, maybe you've got anxiety, maybe you feel like, oh, boy, what? they might reject me or they might be upset. But here's the scripture I want you to see, and this is the key. There is no fear. Say no fear. There's no fear in love. In fact, it says, but perfect love does what to fear? And that word means to violently throw from. It's, it actually is, one of the meanings is like to vomit, like violently, which is kind of gross. But anyway, uh, but it's trying to get across. Perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Now, hey, we're all being perfected in love. We're, none of us have arrived, you know. But it's that love. When I deeply love him, and I experience his love, and I have a love for other people, that pushes me beyond my comfort zone, where I can say, okay, 
you know what? I may not be that good at this, but Lord, I'm going to operate in your prompting. I'm going to do what you say, and I'm going to leave the results to you. If that person, you know, lots of times you're just plowing hard ground. Sometimes you're watering a seed. Other times you may be there at the harvest, but not always. And it's okay because he's the one that does it. You see, (laughs) the truth is that God's an amazing God, and he's the one that brings the person to salvation. You don't, you know, and so if you're just looking for another notch on your belt, that's probably not a good thing because people are people. Now, uh, I have a $100 bill. Does anybody know whose who's picture's on the $100 bill? Who? Somebody said, you don't get, the, you don't get it, but you're right. You, <laughs> you got the right answer, you're not getting $100. But anyway, <laughs> Ben Franklin's on here. Uh, and so what I want to say, I have $100 here, and the reason I'm doing this I'm going to ask, and this is going to take courage on, on the person that is willing to do this. But I have $100 here, and I'll tell you why. So what I'm going to do is I would like to do something, and this is, I, I don't have any plants in here or somebody. I said, you know, this is not pre-done, but, uh, and this is scary for me, by the way, uh, and it's going to be scary for the person that comes. But I, if there's somebody here, and maybe you haven't really fully, you know, committed your life to Jesus. You know, you, you, maybe you love Jesus or you like Jesus, but you've never really received him for your Lord and Savior. I would love to talk with you. And the $100 here, if I embarrass you or if I make you look foolish, I will give you this $100 because that's not my heart. And I will literally, but here's the thing I ask for you. I want you to be honest with me. I want you to be fully honest. This is not a game. And so I want you to be honest with me. But if you're here this morning and you would say, you know what, uh, I, I really... You know, I haven't really fully given my life to Jesus, but I'd be happy to talk with you. If you'll raise your hand, uh, I will invite you to come up. And if I, mess, if I mess with you, you get this $100. And I mean that. So anybody at all. Sometimes it's hard to see hands. But if your hand, kind of wave at me if you are willing to do this. To <laughs> okay, Lord, I'm praying somebody will. Is there somebody over there? Oh, good. Okay, good. Would you, would you mind coming forward? I really want to thank you. Give this lady a hand. He's... All right. Now, to be very honest with you, I was praying maybe nobody would raise their hand. <laughs> but I'm really glad you did. You know, because this is real life. And, uh, and so if you'll come up, and you can, if you don't mind just standing over here, and would you tell everybody your name? Maria Harrison. Okay. Do you, have, have we said anything before the service or anything? No. Okay, good. Okay, just so you know. <laughs> Maria, I'd like to ask you, um, let me ask you this. So, do you have, where do you stand as far as Christianity? Um, I know there's a God. I believe in God. I would say, like, a similar story to the people who came up and talked in tongues, and they didn't know whether or not they were saved. Um, I read the Bible, but then I feel a block. Okay, you feel a block. Okay. So, I do believe in God. Yeah, you believe in God, but you've never really fully, like you've really fully yeah, given your life. It's been a while like, since so, I did that. So you feel like you're away mm-hmm. kind of from Jesus. Kind of. Okay. And you're from the East Coast, right? Yes. I could tell by that. I could tell by that accent. All right. I feel right at home now. Yeah, right? You're relaxing me. Where uh-huh. you grow? A Staten Island. So you're from New York, then how come you don't really talk that way? Yeah, you do. Okay, anyway. <laughs> talk that way. <laughs> okay, here's what I want to ask you. So it sounds like there's some kind of a block there. 
<laughs> sounds like there's some kind of a block there. And my question is, um, my question is this. What is it, do you think, that's holding you back from really inviting Jesus into your life? Maybe like some of the things you discussed, like whether you're not good enough, whether past sins or past things you've done, you know, that you're not too proud of. Okay. Well, you don't know my past life, but before I became a Christian, at, at 28 and a half, by the way, which everybody knows, but anyway, at 28 and a half, I became a Christian. But if I were to show you a video of my life before that, it would be X-rated. We wouldn't show it. So my life was a total disaster, total disaster. I mean, and when I received Jesus, I was so shocked that he would come into my life because I thought, I'm, I'm horrible. I'm a horrible person. I'm not good. I'm, 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 I messed up so much. I mean, again, I'm not going to go into the details, but, but I want you to know something. Jesus is so amazing because he takes us as we are. And so we don't have to be special. We don't have to get our life together. We can on our own. So what I'm saying to you is he offers you salvation. Now, there's no pressure on this. This is totally up to you. And I can get you to pray a little prayer, but that's not what it's about because the Scripture says in Romans 10.9, it says, if you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. So it really comes from the heart. It's not the prayer. The prayer is fine. It's just a, you know, a method of saying what you're saying, but it's really where your heart is. So let me ask you this. If I were to let you know that Jesus gave his life for sinners, <laughs> for people that really screwed up, you know, and, uh, and he wants to come into your life, there's nothing you have to do. Does that sound crazy or does that sound okay? It sounds um, okay. It sounds like something that, you know, I know that for me, myself, would need. But it feels like you still go back to the things you used to do. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the thing. The Pharisee will say, you better clean this up. You better clean that up. You better do this. You better do that. But Jesus just comes into our life, and he changes us from the inside out. He doesn't. See, religion tries to change you from the outside in, makes you a mess, and it makes you frustrated. Jesus changed you. Does that mean when you receive Jesus, you're going to walk perfectly? No. You're going to, yeah. I assumed he would. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, and you know, you know what assume, how to spell assume? <laughs> it's, it's A-S-S-U-M-E. So, basically, you make an ass of you and me. Anyway. <laughs> so, but here's the thing. A lot of people, this is key. I want you guys to hear this. This is one of the biggest barriers why people don't receive Christ. They feel if I receive Jesus, I'm going to fail. I'm not going to live up to the standard, right? Yeah, and then you feel like, well, oh, I'm not like some of the people that go to church. Or, oh, I wish I can do that like them. Or maybe I just won't go to church. Or maybe you go to church and you don't even listen. Sure, <laughs> like, sure. You're just there. Yeah, I hear you. And the, pro the thing is, we have to let him do the work inside. So we don't think, okay, i got to live up to the standard. No, I'm going to walk in a relationship with him, and out of that, he'll begin to change me. Now, it's not going to be overnight, you know, but there'll be a gradual change. So does that sound like a possibility for you or not? Definitely. I just, you know, you want peace in your life. Cool. You know. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. I can let you pray or I can lead you in a prayer, but remember it's the heart that matters. Okay, good. All right. So, Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. Go ahead. You can repeat it. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning. 
I've messed up so many times, Lord, that I'm embarrassed. I messed up so many times that I'm embarrassed. But I sense your love for me, and Jesus, thank you for dying for me. But I sense your love for me. Thank you for dying for me. Now, Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me of all my sin. Jesus, please come into my life and forgive me for all my sin. Thank you that you do. Thank you that you do. I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I give you my life. I give you everything I am. I give you everything I am. Help me to be the person you want me to be. Help you to be the person you want me to be. Now I'm yours, Jesus. Now I'm yours, Jesus. And you're my Lord and Savior. And you're my Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank God you. bless you. Wow. Wow. I get to keep my hundred dollars too. Okay. Come here. I got a gift for you. Now, I didn't expect to do this. But even though I didn't embarrass you, I want to bless you. So there you are. (laughs) Now, I know if I had another $100 bill, I know there'd be a lot of people raising their hand right now. (laughs) But I don't have another $100 bill. Okay. And... uh, So anyway, okay, now (laughs) I feel a little poorer, but I feel a little happier. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to wrap this up. And uh, wow, that was cool. I didn't know how it was going to go. So thank you, Lord. (laughs) Okay. (sighs) Okay. Um, First of all, how can I be effective as a minister of reconciliation? Number one. Don't try too hard. I think sometimes we try too hard. I think sometimes we try to jam Jesus down somebody's throat. I think sometimes we're not really sensitive to where the person is. The scripture says in John 6, 44, unless the Lord draws the person, unless the Father draws the person, they're not coming in. So, you know, I just want to tell you, it's just important to just get into a dialogue. That's number one. And, uh, you know, I I feel like, um, well, let me tell you what happened to me. When I first got saved... Uh, I heard, an ev- this is just a few weeks after I got saved, there was an evangelist that came to the church I was going to, and he said, listen, if you don't witness to five people every day, you're not a good Christian. So, hey, I'm a new Christian. I'm very, you know, <laughs> I mean, I just think, okay, I got I to, I remember one night, this was a couple of weeks in, and I was witnessing to people not very effectively because I was, you know, I was not thinking who, I, I was just trying to get the notch on my belt. Five people, okay. So I remember one night I was in bed, it was about midnight, and I went, oh, no, I didn't witness so many people today. <laughs> so I get up, I throw my clothes on, I go down to the local 7-Eleven, and I buttonhole the first five people I see. <laughs> and I just said, do you know Jesus? <laughs> okay, that's one. Do you know Jesus? That's two. That's, do you know? Nobody received the Lord. In fact, they just wanted to get away from me. I got five. I finally got back into bed. But let me just say this. Let me say that. That is not a good approach. It's not a good approach, folks. It's not trying to do your, fi- you know, plus, I don't know where that guy came from. But anyway, I mean, that's just not the way to approach it. You approach it out of love. You approach it out of your heart. 
And uh, so number one, don't try too hard. And, uh, you know, number two, number two, connect with the person. Put the person first. Don't look for a notch in your belt. Don't try to just hammer them with Jesus. Listen to where they are. Maybe they, grew up, maybe they grew up Christian and they rejected it because they grew up in such legalism and they can't separate the legalism and the religiosity from the relationship with Jesus. So you've got to help them in that. You've got to help them. And see, some people, this, this was a great example. Is it, was it Deborah Harrison? Is that what she said? Maria. Maria, I'm sorry. Maria. Maria was a great example because, let me tell you, a lot of people feel bad about their past. Man, I felt horrible about my past. So when Jesus came in, I thought, ooh, boy, I don't know, you know, I don't know if he will. <laughs> and he does, because he, he loves to come into that place where we are, and we don't have to get it together. So I was just trying to find out, when I connected with that person, what, what the holdup was. Let me, let me say this. Here's the scripture, but connecting with people. James 1, 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Listen to that. Quick to listen. You can't, you can't just have your agenda and try to force it on somebody. you got to hear where they're coming from. you got to hear their heart. you got to hear what's going on in their life so you can help them. And that comes to number three. And, and that's real, real simple. That number three is to remove, remove barriers. Help to remove the barriers. See, when I talked to to Maria, I said to her, well, what do you think's holding you back? See, you want to find out what the barrier is. In her case, it was feeling bad about her past. Hey, how many of us feel bad about our past? Don't raise your hand because everybody would. Yeah, I know. Everybody feels bad about their past. Everybody screwed up. That's why Jesus gave his life for us. We've all messed up, you know, and even Paul, the apostle Paul said, I count myself the worst of sinners. He held Stephen's coat while they stoned him to death. He persecuted Christians. He I mean, he felt terrible about his past, but he had to get to the point where, as it says in Philippians 3 something, where it says, forgetting what is past, I press toward the mark of the high calling. We got to let the past go. I'm sure the devil tried to bring up Paul's past, you know, over and over again. And he said, forgetting what's past, I press on the mark of the high calling. So we've got to receive the grace of God and realize we're forgiven. The past is under the blood. Your past will never define your future. Jesus will. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Okay. Number, number, I thought I had four. I have four, but I don't have it here. What's four? Put it up. Oh, good. Thank you. Okay. If possible, follow up. Maria, I would like to follow up with you if possible. And uh, it, my, my, uh, uh, my uh, email is jr.therock.org. I'd love it if, you know, I'd love to follow up, just see how things are going. Uh, you know, I'd love you to keep in touch with me. And it's jarrettherock.org. If you'll just send me something, and then I'll get back to you on that. And so it's really important to follow up. Let me tell you, if the person doesn't receive Christ, it's really important to follow up. Why? Well, they didn't receive Christ. I'm moving on to the next one. No, because if you show them that, that you are still want to connect with them, that means you care about them. You're, you're, they're not just a notch on your evangelistic belt. Amen. And so it's really important. You follow up whether they receive Christ, whether they don't. You, you love them. You walk in that place of love because that's the most powerful force. So, okay. I think I'm done. And I lost the last one somehow. I don't know. Anyway. Okay, we're going to close out. But here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask the... Uh, uh, i got to figure out what to do here. So... Um, <laughs>
we're either going to bring the ministry, we're going to bring the worship team and do a song, or we're just going to let people come forward for ministry. So, how many people want to bring the, the worship team back? <laughs> uh, how many people want to go right into ministry? Okay. <laughs> how many people want to go home? <laughs> okay. I'll tell you what, let's do one song and then we'll go right into ministry. So ministry team, I mean the worship team, will they come? Or You're the ministry, you're the worship team. Okay, okay. So anyway, can you do it alone or do you want to? Okay, oh good. Good, we got a few. Okay, we lost some of the worship team. Okay, so anyway. So let's stand. Here's what I'm going to do. Wait, wait, wait. Actually, I forgot this. I forgot. Wait, I forgot. I forgot. I was going to give people a chance to receive Christ because... Yeah, I, I, you know, I was going to do it right after Maria received Christ, I, I, and I spaced it, but it's never too late, amen? Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you, if you're here, I want you to bow your heads. Nobody's sneaking a peek. <laughs> now, I'm going to ask you this morning, and I'm not going to, again, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have Ethan come forward. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm not, but if you're here this morning, you say, man... I've been away from Jesus, or I really need to commit my life to Jesus. I want you to just raise your hand. Raise it high so I can see you right where you are. I just want to pray for you right where you are. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Okay, I see these hands, these two hands right here. Other hands. Okay, good. Okay, good. There's another hand right there. Okay, I see that hand. I see several hands. Okay, you can put your hands down, okay? Here's what we're going to do. I want everybody, you can open your eyes, looking around. Okay, here we go. You ready? We're going to say this prayer. Everybody just, just repeat after me. Remember it's your heart. That's the key. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I've screwed up many times. I probably will continue to screw up sometimes. But you died for me. You love me. Now please forgive me. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. And you're my Lord and Savior. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless both of you. God bless 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 anybody else I miss. Now let me just tell you, I'd love for those of you that raise your hand to email me at jrattherock.org. You can also talk to one of the ministry teams. Jeff is back from New England. And he's here. You can talk to him. He's down here on the end. And, uh, but we want to we wanna just walk with you through this walk. We love you. He loves you. No pressure. And uh, why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to close with a worship song, and then the worship team will come right up. So let's, let's what are we going to sing? Nothing else. You got it? Okay, good. I'll be part of the worship team since you guys are missing a few. <laughs>